Welcome to Growth Mindset University. My name is Jordan Paris, 21-year-old author and host of this show. And with this show, you and I will embark on a journey to learn the things that we should have learned in school but did not, so that we may take control of our lives while fulfilling our visions of success. Each episode will feature a brand new lesson, and now it's time for today's lesson. So put your thinking cap on because school is now in session. Before we get into it today, make sure that you are subscribed to the show, Growth Mindset University, wherever you are listening to this podcast. Everything we do here is to help you, to help you learn so that you can do all that you were created to do, so that you can maximize your potential and who you are. As cliche as that sounds, we have interviews with New York Times bestselling authors and really just the most successful people in the world every single week, two times a week, we have those interviews. So we don't want you to miss it. Make sure you go do that. And now without further ado, please enjoy the show. My guest today is billionaire CEO Naveen Jain. Naveen is an entrepreneur and philanthropist driven to solve the world's biggest challenges through innovation. A man who knows no limits, Naveen pushes big dreams into action, spurring massive cultural and technological change. His audacious vision and magnetic personality continually inspires others to follow what feels impossible. The founder of Moon Express World Innovation Institute, iNome, TalentWise, Viome, and several other companies, Naveen sees beyond the current business and technological landscape, creating companies that make a true impact. Naveen Jain, welcome to the show. The magnetic personality is already on full display as we were talking before we even hit record. Loving it already, Naveen. Welcome. Thanks a lot, Jordan. First of all, where did you read that stuff from? Did you write that? <laughs> That's right. I think it's from I think it's from your website, and then I make changes as I as I deem fit. Of course, all factually, uh, you know, accurate. But you what you like the way I read it? <laughs> I know I love your voice. I know, but more than that, I was wondering. Who wrote that? I gotta go figure this website out. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's all you, buddy. But people can find you. I want to make sure people can find you before we can get started. NaveenJane.com at NaveenJane CEO on Instagram. If they just type in Naveen Jane on even like Twitter and the other platforms, they'll find you very easily. We've been connected on LinkedIn for a long time. People can find you there. And then Moonshots, your book, you can find that on. Amazon and all your other companies, if they just look them up, Viome, and I, I highly recommend people check that out. So, and we're going to talk about that today. But Moon Express is the first thing on our agenda, <laughs> right? You are Moon Express is like the first private company given permission to travel beyond Earth's orbit. What is the reason for going to the moon? But there are many, many reasons. And first thing is that obviously. Uh, saving the humanity from potential extinction, right? So if you think about it, all 9 billion of us live on a single spacecraft we lovingly call planet Earth. Now imagine if our spacecraft gets damaged because a you know, large asteroid hits us, or we're pretty capable people, we may just you know, do it ourselves, and then what? It's not about that you know, people say, I'm worried about our planet. 
And my answer is, don't be so damn egotistic. This planet will be just fine. Worry about the human species, just like the dinosaurs. If you think about it, you know, dinosaurs were much more bulkier, big species. And when the asteroid hit, the dinosaur species got completely wiped out. And planet did just fine. In fact, planet did so fine, it created humans. Now imagine, next time when that happens and the humans get wiped out, don't worry. Maybe the planet will create superhumans someday, right? But the point is, if you could hear a dinosaur rolling in their grave, what would they be saying? If they had one good entrepreneurial dinosaur, they would be roaming on the moon and Mars and beyond. So let's not be the dinosaur that didn't get to go beyond, mm. you know, beyond the Earth orbit. And the second thing really is that it is, you know, we as humans are explorers. We have explored the all seven continents of the planet Earth. Why not think of the moon as our eighth continent? Why should we limit ourselves to one planet? Because at the end of the day, the scarcity that we find in our mindset is because we start to believe this is the only place we belong. This is the only place we can live. And, you know, it's like people thought you couldn't live on the west of Mississippi. I mean, that's not how it works. What if we could find a way to live on the moon as a first stepping stone, to be live on the Mars and to be able to live on other galaxies? I mean, there is absolutely no reason we couldn't do that. The only reason we can't do something is because we believe we can't do that. Right? So to me, going to the moon is not just about physically going to the moon. Of course, we will do that. But it is symbolic of what humans are capable of doing, what individuals like you and a small group of people are capable of doing. It is simply that four minute a mile problem. When a one person shows it can be done, there'll be tens of people who will do that the next time. In fact, they will use that as a base to be able to go further beyond. I have a big follow-up question to this, sure. but you see like the first, the however many years on earth, like there wasn't a whole lot of technology or fancy technology. Like there wasn't even cars until the early 1900s, but things have just started compounding on each, on each other the past 100 years. And now we have, we go from no cars uh, like 120 years ago to now spaceships. And we're talking about living on the moon. Is there, is it possible, like what is driving this technological innovation, right? Like all of a sudden and, so, and what are, what are its limits? So first of all, there is, you know, there has never been a better time to be alive in the human history. This is the first time in human history where multiple set of exponential technologies are converging together at the same time. So it's not just one technology at a time. It is, you know, the sensors are becoming faster and cheaper. Artificial intelligence is becoming more and more powerful. And you're starting to see the things that you to, used to be physical <clears throat> are becoming digital. And when anytime something physical becomes digital, it actually starts to take a path, path of an exponential curve because digitization allows the more and more information to be learned from more and more data. So, and by the way, that particular phenomena is happening in every industry. So you look at healthcare. We always thought of human beings as this physical entity. 
But if you think about it, I mean, we are basically a biochemical activity, right? So once you can understand at a biochemical level every single thing that's happening inside our body and we can digitize this human body, then it simply becomes a math and a chemistry problem. That means we know what the chemistry is when people get sick, what the chemistry needs to be when people are healthy, and you use the math, which is artificial intelligence, to be able to modulate those things. Whether we use CRISPR, whether we use food as a medicine, whether we use some type of other biochemicals to put in the body, which are called drugs. But at the end of the day, it simply, as opposed to trial and error, it becomes a very simple, exact mathematical science. And when that happens, no longer you have to worry about would we live to be 100 years and be healthy. You have to wonder, can we live as long as we want without ever being sick? What if the sickness actually becomes a choice? And that simple phenomena is happening in every industry. You look at the uh, automotive you mentioned, right? So, you know, you look at the thing, the cars used to be physical things that are driven by mechanical stuff. Now they are becoming a software on wheels. That means now everything is driven by software that you can update. The software is talking to other software and the cars are communicating with each other. And suddenly they become self-driving cars. And not only that disrupts the automotive industry, it starts to disrupt the construction industry because once the cars are communicating, they can drive very close to each other. That means you don't need to build as many roads. Now, imagine all the cars that used to be parked in the Class A building, the prime real estate in the parking lot. If the cars can come when you need them, what happens to the housing industry? What if you can convert all the parking lots into affordable housing? Suddenly, the whole idea of having a limitation of housing goes away. We haven't even explored our own planet. What if we can live on the, uh, on the water? What if we can oh. live anywhere? So my point how, is- How can we do that? I mean, <laughs> my point is we do. It's called ships. It's called, uh, it's called cruises. Right? Your point sure. is, it is about simply about what is possible. Even the people who love you, like my mom will tell me, Sonny, you're so bright. You can do anything. Sky is the limit. But guess what? She put the sky at that limit because she believes that's the barrier that no one can cross. And the fact is, sky is nothing but a fiction. It is a simply a imagination that we create a sky. A sky is nothing but the light that's actually floating out there. But you don't go from here to the moon and say, hey, mom, just pass the sky. Right? Yeah. So point is, we create these skies in our real life. Everything becomes a barrier that we create for ourselves because these fictitious imaginary boundary becomes the limit that we can't cross. And for each person, that can become different. Well, let's go beyond the sky with my follow-up question here that I had. Is it possible then to eventually have some sort of machine that is powerful enough, has enough capabilities to make it to another galaxy? Is that is that out of the question? Absolutely not. I mean, you would argue that humans can do that. I mean, if you just go back and look at 100 years ago, people said, oh my God, the horse is the best that can happen. If the human <laughs> body ever were to go more than 20 miles an hour, the human body will explode. So people said that? People said that. We just Google. People said the human body will explode if we were to travel at a 40 miles an hour speed. The human body cannot take that much pressure, right? The, you know, and obviously we all know we can travel on a plane, we can travel on a bullet train, the human body doesn't explode. 
It is the same thing that people see. The human body cannot run in a mile under four minutes. It was an impossible boundary to cross. And we, by the way, these are the same people who, you know, many people, if you go back and look at what was predicted, people will always look at what is there and they think maybe incrementally it can get a little better, but it can never be 10x or 100x better. It is always the limitations of the expert mind that keeps you in the current mindset. What is a moonshot? I want to talk about that concept then from your book and what's the importance of a moonshot? Well, first of all, I mean, look, here you are. You created this growth mindset, right? I mean, growth mindset is what allows everyone to believe that every audacious idea is possible. That moonshots are those audacious ideas that on the surface look impossible or very difficult. And people say, oh, my God, it is like going to the moon. It can't be done, right? And that is really the moonshots are for each person can have a different moonshot. And these moonshots, every one of them is possible once you start to believe it is possible. There are many people, the first thing is you have to visualize. You have to be able to live in that world. And if you can start to live in the world you want to create, you can create that world. Even though the people who are in the different world will tell you, this person is hallucinating. This person has what they call alternative universe that they're living in. But to you, it is such a clear idea of where you are and how you can create that mindset, how you can create the world that you want. So to me, these moonshots are these audacious ideas that each one of us can go out and do because we believe they are possible. So you think it's of vital importance for everyone to have a moonshot then? Absolutely, because to me, life is not worth living if you don't have a purpose in your life and your purpose is your moonshot. If you wake up in the morning and you don't jump out of the bed, then go do something different that makes you jump out of the bed. I don't care what you're doing. If you're not jumping out of the bed, you're working on something wrong. Really? Yeah. So you're jumping out of the bed, Naveen. I jump out of the bed at 4 a.m. every day. (laughs) Wow. 4 a.m. Gosh, when do you go to bed then? Uh, About 10. 10? Okay. So let me say 11. So so that's uh, six hours. Do you function well on six? Yeah. Very good. As a matter of fact, the good thing about me is I hit the pillow and I am out. There is no stress. There is no anxiety because to me, the anxiety and stress and these things happen when you don't uh, believe in yourself, when you don't somehow you believe something external is the one that causing you to have that stress. The fact is only you have the power to make yourself angry. Only you have the power to make yourself stressed. Only you have the power to make yourself happy. No one else in the world. So when we are there and say something or someone makes us happy, you have all you have done is given the remote control of your happiness to that thing or that person, right? And happy, unhappy, they control you. But the fact is, what if you can drive the happiness from inside you? There's nothing in the world that can ever make you unhappy. You could be in the most miserable dark corner. And if you're happy, you bring that happiness with you. And if you hate yourself and you are angry with yourself, you could be in a paradise and still be unhappy. So to me, the first thing one has to do in life is to fall in love with themselves. 
the day you fall in love with yourself is the day the world will fall in love with you and falling in love doesn't mean being self-conceited falling in love means no longer looking for someone's approval that to do what you do Naveen, i'm curious what is your educational background like what's your degree certifications in Another thing that I have ever done in my life. In fact, my first company I started was in computers. Never seen a computer in my life, right? So to me, the education is great, and I love the idea of everyone having a great foundational education. Education is the plan B of life. It is every one of us who does a high wire act always have a safety net under them. That safety net is called education. Right. So everyone should get a great education and then go out and do the high wire app. But no, when you fall, they just safety net under you. Do you believe that the education system needs to evolve? Education system doesn't need to evolve. As a matter of fact, it needs to be rethought and recreated. Right. How? So, yeah. so think simple. If you look at our education system, it is not broken. It is, not, it is fundamentally doing exactly what it was designed to do. It was designed to teach us skills, and it does an amazing job of teaches, teaching us skills. The problem is we're living in this world of exponential technologies where every skill that we learn becomes obsolete by the time we graduate. So that means now we have to rethink education from in, as opposed to teaching skills about learning to learn learning to solve problems because and most problems tend to be multidisciplinary that means you can no longer be unidisciplinary you have to have knowledge in multiple disciplines you have to learn to be collaborative you have to learn to really be adaptive and this whole idea of today in our education system i'm sitting in an exam and i say hey jordan what might be the best way of solving this problem and everyone thinks oh you that's cheating and you do the same thing at work. Mm. You do the same thing at work today. What do people say? Amazing team player. Right? Wow, look at that. So my point is these are exactly the kind of ways you can start to think about how to reinvent education, how to reinvent healthcare, how to create abundance of fresh water, abundance of energy, the abundance of land. There is no reason for us to live in this scarcity. Because the scarcity comes because we believe something is finite. What is finite? We fight over, what do we fight in this world? We fight over energy. We fight over land. We fight over water. The fact is, all of those things you look up are in abundance. Our planet Earth is a tiny dot, a pale blue dot in our own solar system. Our solar system is a un, you know, tiny pale dot in our galaxy. Our galaxy is this tiny dot in our universe. And our universe may be a tiny dot in this multiverse. Where is it? Is. Right? So where is that scarcity people talk about? Right. Well, you talk about learning how to learn. How did you go about learning the gut microbiome, which your company Viome is founded on, of course, education of the gut microbiome and you talk about that all the time whereas you how where why what about so, learning uh, the gut microbiome so first of all it's not about gut microbiome it is about learning about what's happening inside the human body and the only reason we started out with the gut microbiome because if you look at the human body of all the genes that are expressed in the human body 
about 22,000 come from the, uh, our human DNA that we get from our mom and dad. Three million come from the microbes, which are the bacteria, the yeast, and the fungus, and the mold. 40 trillion of them living inside our gut. Three million, 22,000. That means we are less than 1% human when it comes to our all the genes that are expressed in our human body. We are this walking, talking ecosystem. And one would argue that we are basically a portable container for these microorganisms. They created us for their own benefit so they can go out and spread, right? So think of it from their perspective. We are nothing but a petri dish. They control who we are. They make us crave the food they want. They make us think like they want. And if we don't behave in their way, they make us sick. Right. I mean, that's literally what it is. Right. Hey, you don't do what I want. I'm going to make you sick. So you die. So I'm going to find a mm -hmm. new host. I'm going to find a new host who will take a better care of us. Right. Right. And, and they, you know, we, we poop everywhere and then we spread them around. And that may be one would argue. I hate to even go there. People talk about, you know, us having this spiritual soul that never dies. What if that is spiritual soul is these microbes? They simply move from one host to another host, but they never. Mm. <laughs> that may be our soul. Wow. That's something I've never thought about before. I think about it with, you know, with Viome, there's no, I wrote this paper a couple of years ago called There is No Profit in Good Health. And there, there isn't. I mean, cancer alone is is what? How many billion dollars of an industry? Like, it, it's cancer is a very profitable yep. disease, yep. Uh, and pharmaceutical companies, I believe, are not a, don't exactly have the best intentions in mind. They kind of they kind of create drugs to keep you on them, and they cause a whole host of side effects that you have to take more of their drugs for. It's like a subscription mm -hmm. model. And and as you say, then people are popping more pills than blueberries. Yes. And that's kind of messed up. Is and But you say chronic disease is optional. Is that really true? Absolutely 100% true. So think of it this way, right? Everyone, if I were to tell you, Jordan, being healthy is a choice, would you ever argue with that? I wouldn't because I take control. I've taken control of my health many years ago. I eat, I eat pretty perfectly. I rarely have grains. It's a lot of green point, stuff. It doesn't matter. My I, point is, I eat right. Yeah, being healthy is a choice. That means being sick is a choice, right? Right. Yeah. Right. So all I'm trying to say is, look at this way: if you are not born with a disease, how is it that you start developing a disease? So your DNA from the time you are born largely stays the same until time you die. One day you wake up in the morning and say, honey, oh my God, I'm starting to, uh, I got diabetes. Maybe my DNA changed or my autoimmune disease is flaring up. I'm going to check my DNA to see if my DNA changed. The answer is DNA has not changed. Your genes don't change. Your gene expression is constantly changing. And what is making them change? It is really is everything we are exposing our body to. What is that? The food. The air we breathe, right? So every single thing that we do to our body is what causes our body to have the, this various gene expression change. Your gut microbes are changing because you eat the food. And this idea that you mentioned that there is somehow this healthy food is the one that actually is being proven to be wrong. There is no such thing 
as universal healthy food. A food that is good for Jordan may not be good for Naveen. A food that's good for Naveen may not be good for me even six months from now. Really? As, yeah. So as my body is constantly evolving and changing, the food that used to be good for me becomes bad for me. So think about it. Spinach, the green stuff you mentioned. The spinach actually is harmful to me. And here is why. Because my gut enzyme cannot digest oxalic acid that is very high in spinach. For me right now, the things that are causing me grief are the things that you would consider healthy. Apple, right? And because my gut has an apple virus that actually is causing inflammation, if I keep eating apple, I'm feeding that virus. So it tells me when you do a Wyom test, we not only tell you what is going on inside your gut, so we tell you how much butyrate you're producing, how much LPS you're producing, how much of the you know, bile acid you're producing, how much of ammonia you're producing, how much of putrescine you're producing, everything that's going on. And then we say, oh my God, these 10 things are really, really bad for you. Now, why are you producing them? And we go back and look at the stuff and say, oh, if this food is being metabolized or synthesized into this, this molecule. So we say, hey, don't eat that protein that you thought was really good for you because that protein is not being digested. Instead, is going to your microbes and is fermenting that protein into ammonia and putrescine that is actually causing you inflammation. So lay off that protein that you think is good for you. Lay off. In fact, you should be eating more red meat because your microbes are not converting the choline and uh, carnitin into the TMA and the TMA is not getting absorbed in the body that produces TMAO, which is what causes the heart disease. So if you're not producing TMA, we tell you your TMA score. That means if you're not producing enough TMA, enjoy your red meat as much as you want. So it is not about good or bad food. It is, is it good for you or bad for you? And that is literally the science has completely changed now. No longer you can just say, hey, I'm eating healthy. Because it ha you have to know what is healthy. And here's the interesting one, Jordan, you say. When I change my diet, what happens is think of your microbiome as a bunch of these chemical reactions that are happening. As you are changing your food, they are changing and adapting themselves. And once they adapt the things that used to be in low quantity, you start to feed them and they start to grow. And now you have an imbalance on the other way. Now you have to go back and start eating the other thing so you can keep this balance and keep your body tuned. So people say, how often do I have to do this test? And my point is like, how often do you tune your car? At least once a year. <laughs> you can't say I tuned my car 10 years ago. What do you mean I will tune my car again? <laughs> uh, I, I will say, gosh, it, it funny, funny you make that analogy. I went, uh, there, there were three years where I did not get my car. Uh, I didn't bring my car in for a service and I brought it in in January and it needed over $2,000 worth of stuff. And it's only a Ford. It's only a, it's, it's a Ford 2014 Ford Mustang. And so it, it was as if I was bringing in a Porsche. So I, that's what happens with your body too, right? Like you, you don't, you go 10 years without having that yeah. checkup or your Viome test, right? Yep. And bam, you got a bunch of things wrong with you. And by the so, way, the repair shop for that thing is called emergency room. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> not good. We don't want to go there. Uh, so you, you can find out all the foods that are good for you and bad for you, correct, with your Viome test? 
and why. The beauty of the thing is we just don't tell you, hey, here are the foods you should avoid. Here are the food you should eat. Here is what you should enjoy. Here is what you should minimize. We tell you why. So it's not a black box. It actually tells you, here's the reason what is going on. And that's really, you know, from our perspective, we are on a simple mission, Jordan, as you mentioned. Our whole mission is to make chronic disease purely a matter of choice, not a matter of bad luck. We came to it from a belief system that once we start to understand what is causing people sickness, we can adjust the human body so that you will never get sick. And we want to create that world. We want to be part of that world. And everyone who is listening to this, my ask of them is if a couple of millions of us can come together, the artificial intelligence will have all the data that it needs for us to be able to eliminate chronic diseases for the whole humanity. That means a couple of million of us can help 9 billion people live healthier life. Even, you know, obviously, not only you get better, Everything since you join to help us understand why you are being sick, it helps everyone else get better. So you're contributing to the benefit of humanity. And that to me, just an amazing part, you know, to be part of something that not only helps you, but also helps everyone else. Imagine living in that world where your grandma is no longer having Alzheimer's or Parkinson, no longer is suffering from all the chronic diseases, taking all these drugs that are making them sick. Imagine the people who have lost their lives because of depression or their cancer. I mean, what if that never has to happen? There's no reason for our body to have a cancer. It depression, really yeah. Oh, continue. No, no, no. Can't, it only, cancer only happens because... <laughs> Cancer happens is because our immune system is no longer killing the cells that normally would happen. And now, especially in many of the cancers, they have clearly shown it actually happens from the gut microbiome, colorectal cancer, pancreatic cancer. <clears throat> they showed the microbiome in the breast cancer, oral cancer, ovarian cancer, and more and more of these cancers. Not only the cancer is caused by the microbiome, in fact, now they have shown that even the therapy for cancer, how effective this is, also depends on your gut microbiome. That means immunotherapy, effectiveness, or chemotherapy, its effectiveness. And here's the most interesting part I read in the last 30 days. <clears throat> the drugs that we take, even for the disease like Parkinson's, in many people, the drug like L-DOPA, Levdopa, is actually gets eaten by microbiome, and it essentially has no effect on you. So imagine the drugs that we take, the second research shows the most common drugs, their side effect and effectiveness depends what happens in your gut. So imagine you pop in a pill, it goes into this chemical factory and the molecules that are in the drug get you know, converted into something different. Now, depend what your gut does with it, either it works, doesn't work or have more side effects or less side effects. So point is, when we're taking this drug that is designed for 9 billion people, that means it's designed for no one. It just happens to be randomly work on some people. And that is literally what we do today. We take these things, give it to people. Some people it works on, 20% efficacy is considered very effective drug. That means on 80% of the people, not only it doesn't work, it only harms them. And other 20% which helps them also harms them. And Jordan, I think you started this conversation uh, in, I think, the best way. Our medical industrial complex has no incentive 
to get rid of chronic diseases. When someone gets a chronic disease and they are young like you, to them is a lifetime subscriber, huh. right? They have a button that say "kaching," lifetime subscriber, right? Whether you have a diabetes, whether you have obesity, whether you have a heart disease, you have high blood pressure, it doesn't matter. They got a lifetime subscriber, so they have no reason to ever cure you. When pharmaceutical companies have become parasite on humanity, what would humanity do? Humanity will come together to kill the parasite, and that's our hope is to be able to do that to kill these parasites and keep prevent chronic diseases and reverse chronic diseases. And I have no doubt in my mind. In the next ten years, there will be no chronic disease, and I'm not suggesting whether Wyom will be able to do that or not. But we know for sure the work that we are doing is going to move the humanity forward far enough that someone is going to come and stand on our shoulder and take it across the finish line. So even if we fail, we will still contribute to making the humanity better. So uh, antibiotics. I, I want you to explain, if you really know, just how bad they are can be for a person and is there any scenarios where you should take antibiotics absolutely so that they are one of the worst thing you can do to your human body because they are like throwing the nuclear bomb inside your body right it kills the bad guy and it kills all the good guys How as far as the gut microbiome is concerned right absolutely gut, yeah, gut microbiome is concerned like throwing a nuclear bomb however the you know, invention of antibiotics is being the one of the best invention ever. Today, we will not be alive if it wasn't for antibiotics. So there are times you absolutely will have to take it. But the overuse of antibiotics is really what's causing problem. When we are spraying the Lysol on our surfaces, these bacteria are becoming more and more resistant to these antibiotics. So the more we take, the more resistant they become. In fact, they keep morphing themselves. So now we have to come up with a stronger and stronger antibiotics. And then they keep evolving because unlike us, they evolve really, really, really fast. So they can outsmart every antibiotics that we are taking. So interesting thing is 90% of the time when we take antibiotics is not necessary. For example, when the child has a ear infection, there is a very like good likelihood that if you can tolerate that little bit of pain, there is a 80, 90% chance that will get body will take care of that. And there are times you absolutely need antibiotics. So I'm not the guy who says, you know, you are anti, I'm anti-vaccine, anti-antibiotics. No, I'm saying there's absolutely times you need them, yeah. but don't just rush into it. The first time you start coughing and you pop in the, uh, pop in the antibiotics, that is what's happening right now. And that needs to be stopped. Absolutely. It, it, we're overdoing it. But, the, you know, you do mention, like, I have another scenario then where you should take antibiotics. We were talking off the air about that flesh-eating bacteria, oh that, v, that Vibrio, or however you say it, V-I-B-R-I-O, yeah. that you absolutely would be a fool not to not get on those antibiotics right away because it will kill you in a matter of days. And even with the antibiotics, it still kills like one out of three people that Absolutely. contract it. That's bad. So let's not overdo it. Absolutely. My point is you should absolutely take antibiotics when it's necessary. So if you heard from me that don't do it, then you misheard it. I'm saying yeah. antibiotics is the best thing ever invented. And I really want people to know that you should take antibiotics when you need them. Just don't go out and rush to it. Aren't painkillers like a leave really bad for your gut flora, gut microbiome as well? 
it's, it's bad for not just gut microflora, it's also bad for your intestinal lining. So in fact, the reason you do that is in the literally says it causes the stomach ache. What it does is literally starts to inflame your gut lining. And many of the times that is what causes the gut permeability, which because leaky gut that allows now mm. food to seep into the blood, the microbiome to seep into the blood that causes this inflammation, constant inflammation in the body. And chronic inflammation causes chronic diseases. So very interestingly, every single cognitive disease that we know of today has now been proven to be linked to gut microbiome, from Parkinson's to Alzheimer's, depression, anxiety, uh, and all of the autism, by the way, not only the cause by microbiome, they have shown that they can take a fecal transplant on the kids that are autistic and give them a healthy person's microbiome, which in, you know, in other words, you take a poop from a healthy person and give the poop to an autistic kid. And they showed that even after two years, the kids' symptoms were down more than 50%. So we know these things are not only happening, they are also be able to resolve through them. They've shown the same thing on diabetes, obesity, autoimmune diseases, various types of cancer. So it's amazing that not only we're going to be able to find them, we'll be able to reverse these chronic diseases. Uh, so my hope really is in the next 10 years, you and I will not be talking about chronic diseases the way we know. I'm hoping that your children, Jordan, someday will come back and say, Dad, you mean you used to have these diseases and people used to die from them? You mean you used to just take the drugs to keep them, suppress the symptom, you just didn't cure them? What kind of ancient, obsolete world were you living in? And that yeah. is right. They will be talking about other problems such as, Dad, why do we talk? You mean you just don't transmit the information from one brain to another brain? Instead of using... <laughs> low bandwidth, like talking is such a low bandwidth way of communicating. Right? What if we can just transmit the information to everyone else's brain? You mean, dad, you couldn't, you had to go to a class and learn? You mean you couldn't just upload the teacher's brain into your brain and you were just done? Mm -hmm. and, and those are the, exactly the problems they will be solving and after we've solved this chronic disease problem. Absolutely. I, I want to talk about another factor in the gut microbiome that is because you mentioned you mentioned with some sort of spray or, or something. But Lysol. I, yeah. Lysol. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like that stuff, I believe to be really bad from my understanding. I believe I mean, dude, I act like sorry. Sorry to say, dude, that was a little yeah, bit that's formal. That's <laughs> that's I just, I'm passionate about this, Naveen. I'm passionate yeah. about it. My, so my father's a general surgeon, my mother's a nurse, two uncles that are doctors as well. So like I am from a health background and I love going on NIH and yeah. pub slash pubmed.gov and just having yeah. fun on there. That was, that's what I've been doing for years. So soaps, right? I act like whatever goes on my skin, lotion, soaps, shampoo, I act, I pretend as if I'm eating it yep. because that cheap shampoo that's like two bucks that you get, or, or maybe like Pantene is going to be really, really bad for your gut microbiome. Is that true? Does it, it, it permeates your skin, right? So first of all, there's also the skin microbiome that's on top of your skin. So when you use the antibacterial soap, you're literally killing all of the skin microbiome. And in fact, they showed in many of the skin diseases, 
come from inside, you know, from, you know, inside out. And a lot of them are topical. So you start to see a lot of the topical skin diseases that may come from the skin microbiome. But the beautiful skin always starts from, you know, gut. And so the beauty is from inside is actually is true. Right. So we have, in fact, shown that, you know, a lot of the times when people are fixing the inflammation in the gut, their acne goes away, their eczema goes away. And that to me, someday we'll be able to solve that problem. Right. But just you're absolutely right. Not only the skin is our largest organ, the things you put on our skin are absorbed in the blood. Right. So interestingly, whether you are also putting you know, I'm not suggesting people don't shower. I'm not suggesting people don't put deodorant, but know exactly what it does. It kills the microbiome. The fact is that, you know, your sweat smells because there is a microbiome and you kill that. Sure, you may not smell, but the other damage that you're doing is still going to be done. Absolutely. Naveen, I got a moonshot question for you. We've been talking health for a little while now. Can humans live to age say 120 consistently and the answer is why 120 so because i mean if you think about it this is the there is nothing in the natural body that we should absolutely stop living at certain age you know if you go back a couple of hundred years ago a thousand years ago we were living to be 20 then people thought oh my god what if you could live to be 40 what if you could live to be 50 and i still remember when i was young and someone will tell me oh my god you know He's 50 years old. I'm thinking, oh, my God, he's so old, right? And now I'm here. I'm sitting here. I'm going to be 60 in two months, right? And I'm thinking. Does not seem like it. I'm having, a, I'm having a time of my life, right? There's nothing here that I feel I cannot do. Guess what? 10 years from now, people are going to be sitting here at 180 and saying, oh, my God, what is it that people used to talk about that you're old? I am barely in my teens right now, right? Because there is no reason for us to die. The aging happens for many, many reasons. Our cell division starts to go wrong. Some of the mutations starts to happen. Some of the oxidative stress starts to happen. But remember, in the next decade, we're going to have the nanobots inside our body that are constantly cleaning up all the senescent cells, that are constantly cleaning up all the mass in the body, constantly releasing the stem cells that are repairing every single organ that has been damaged because of many of the things we are doing to ourselves. So we're gonna have a constant repair of the body all the time. Our body is gonna be constantly as if it's in the teenage years. It's constantly being repaired constantly being maintained and if you maintain the car and repair you know and have the regular uh, repair you will never have to go to the emergency room or a repair shop and that i really think will start to happen where and also you have to ask yourself what is it that makes us human that we want to live for a long time right is it our physical body because the point is that body from the time we are born to the time we get old is constantly changing. So what is it that you want to live for a long time, right? If it's your DNA, it's already survived through your children. So if it is your, if you replace your knee, is it still Jordan? If you replace your hip, are you still Jordan? You replace your shoulder, are you still Jordan? You, re- you change your heart, are you still Jordan? You change your liver, are you still Jordan? <laughs> so what point do you stop becoming Jordan? Is, wow. Your memories and experiences is what makes you who you are, right? What if we can upload your memories and experience? And what if that can be on five different bodies? And what if all they are synchronized with high bandwidth and you're seeing everything, 
you are visualizing everything, you are hearing everything, and your brain is processing everything. Are you at the five place at the same time? So your mother saying, Jordan, you cannot be in two places at the same time. Say, mom, maybe I can. I just had a really interesting thought that like, okay, when you get new phones now, I use I use iPhone, right? I got an iPhone. Yep. When you get a new phone, you know, because everything's on iCloud, right? Exactly. Like I just get the new phone. And I remember being at the, uh, the, the Verizon store a couple of months ago. And I'm like, wait, everything's already on here yeah. Yeah. i was like wait what like this is it was my exact same phone everything was there all eight thousand photos right <laughs> now imagine that's now that's jordan's body what if exactly. jordan suddenly gets a new body imagine someone else working out every day at the gym i'm thinking hmm that'll be nice jordan <laughs> <laughs> that's good <laughs> So, Naveen, uh, we got another moonshot question. Living on the moon, do you think, when, when is this a possibility and how is it a possibility? In the next 10 years, we'll absolutely not only living on the moon, I believe we're going to have a baby born on the moon where we parents are going to be looking up and saying, we come from that planet, right? Oh. And that's literally, you know, people have this idea of living on the moon is somehow is going to be living in these biospheres. That's not true at all. I mean, the, the questions people ask, depending on what question you ask, the problem you solve. So people say you can't live on the moon. Obviously, then you're not going to solve that problem. If you say, what would it take us to, for us to live on the moon? There are two things. People say, how are you going to live because there is high radiation? So let's solve that. Because we know there is bacteria that is growing in radioactive nuclear waste. That means nature has already figured out how to protect its DNA from very, very high radiation and use the radiation as a source of energy. Now, if we can take the bacterial genes from these bacteria, modify our genes using CRISPR, we become radiation resistant completely. Now, the next question people say, well, then how are you going to grow the food on the moon? And that to me is the wrong question. Instead of asking how do we grow the food on the moon, what if we were to ask, why do we eat food? And when you ask, why do we eat food? Then the solutions are very different. Oh, we need energy and we need nutrition. What if we can get energy from radiation or photosynthesis, just like plants do? What if we can, what nutrition do we need? Hydrogen, oxygen, nitrogen. If there is a water, don't we already have hydrogen and oxygen? Now, the problem of living on the moon is simply about finding enough nitrogen or taking enough nitrogen. And that's it, right? So my point is you can take a very complex problem by asking different set of questions. You can start solving these problems. So the answer is not only we'll be living on the moon in the next 10 years, it will become so routine that honeymoon will really become about taking your honey to the moon. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. Well, Naveen, I had such a great time talking with you today. Time just flew by where you know, at around 45 minutes, it just seemed like nothing. And we just got along right from the get-go. And people can find you, again, NaveenJane.com, at NaveenJane CEO on Instagram, any other social media platform, you're there as well. Twitter's a good one to follow you on. And then uh, Viome.com for your gut testing kit. And anywhere else, Naveen? 
I mean, I, you can find me anywhere you are, find me on the social media. If you want to know more about Moon Express, go to moonexpress.com. And please do join me on joining this movement to get rid of chronic diseases. And do go to yom.com, which is weird than Victor, I-O-M-E.com. Awesome. Well, Naveen, I have to thank you for choosing to solve these difficult problems for humanity. And because, I mean, you could very easily just rest on your laurels and have a good time and and do, uh, you know, just just do nothing, hang out on the beach, uh, hang out with Mark Metry and I, you know, <laughs> because you're you hanging out with Mark, our, our, a friend of the podcast, friend of, of both of ours last week. You could just, you could just, you just enjoy life, pure gluttony and fun, but you don't. You choose to solve these really challenging problems that require a lot of research and a lot of work. So thank you for that, Naveen. Thank you, Jordan, for bringing the message and message of hope and message of growth to the world. So thank you for doing what you're doing. You're the man. So Naveen, my final question is, if you could teach a course at a university, course of your creation or otherwise, what would it be? It's going to be about moonshot thinking how do we ask a different question as an entrepreneur don't focus on getting the right answer focus on asking the right question and dream really so big that people think you're crazy and you know you only feel when you give up so just never give up naveen jane you're the man thank you very much thank you jordan There you have it, my friends. This has been another episode of the Growth Mindset University podcast. Now, if you enjoyed this one today, there are a couple of ways that you can give back. The first is, of course, to leave an honest rating and review in Apple Podcasts or iTunes. You can also take a screenshot of this and share it out on your Instagram story and tag me at j underscore Paris underscore and tag our guest as well and we will absolutely give you some love and then of course if you want to start your own podcast a podcast like this or any other podcast that you envision you can go to jordanparis.com slash pu to get free access to podcast university all right i love you all so very much and until next time my friends make every day count Live to learn and grow to give.